It's great to be together this morning. It's great to be together. And this morning we're uh, following through our series where we're unpacking what it means to be in Christ. It's the most commonly used phrase in the New Testament to describe what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And this week we're going to look at what Paul says in chapter 2 of his letter to the Ephesians. And uh, it will come up behind me on the screen and I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 to 7 from the New Living Translation. This is what it says. But God, who is rich in mercy, say that again, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Today we're going to explore what Paul means But when he says this, he also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Ten o'clock last Monday morning, I was sitting thousands of feet in the air. How did it happen? Am I Superman? Actually, Annie thinks I am Superman. (laughs) Did I rise up in the air saying, up, up, and away? (laughs) Am I so heavenly minded that I sometimes find find myself sitting high above in the clouds playing my harp, singing? (laughs) No. The truth is I was flying British Airways from Heathrow to Edinburgh. I was sitting high above the earth only because I was in a plane. I was traveling with a friend. This friend of mine uh, travels a lot, and uh, he has something called a BA black card. There are about 200 of them in the world. Basically, because I was with him, I had access to the BA lounge. When I got to the, when I got to the uh, lounge, I was thinking they would have to check something, check my ticket, check uh, uh, my passport, check my, whether I had any money to pay for anything. Uh, they, I needed nothing. I went to show my ticket, and the girl said, don't worry, you're with him. You're his guest. I went into the BA lounge and was able to enjoy all the benefits that he did. When we talk about us being seated with Christ in the heavens, 
That is a pale, pale shadow of what I experienced on Monday. We are seated in heavenly places only because we are in Christ. This passage that we've read starts with the two most hopeful words that we will ever hear. But God. Paul's been previously describing in the earlier part of his letter, he's accurately describing the mess that we are in and the state of the world that we're living in. Before we ever thought of putting our trust in Jesus to save us, our lives were messed up by our wrong thinking and our wrongdoing. It's what the Bible calls sin. Living without reference to God. We were terrified by death, driven by forces beyond our control, and alienated from the God who created us and gave us life, the God who loves us. We were in a hopeless place. Paul says that we were without hope and without God in this world. We were stuck in a pit of our own making and we couldn't get out. And out of the bleakness and despair, but God resounds a beacon of hope, light, at the end of the tunnel. And here in these four verses that we've just read, we see the initiative of God. It's all about what he does. We see he three times. He did something three times. We read about him twice. Our help comes as we encounter his mercy, his grace, as we experience his love and his kindness. I want you to listen to the adjectives that Paul uses about the characteristics of God. God is rich in mercy. His love is great. We read of his grace and the immeasurable riches of it. God made us alive when we were dead in our sin. He does it all. We do nothing. We simply put our trust in Jesus Christ to save us through what he did on the cross for us. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We are saved by grace, by the effort of God on our behalf. It is God who gives us life and life to the full through Jesus. And in chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, we see three things that are true for us now because we are in Christ. That because we are inextricably linked to him. First of all, we see a change of position. Secondly, a different posture. And thirdly, a new purpose. This can be true for each one of us today. So if you've come here today and you have never put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you do that today, if you cry out to him and ask him to rescue you and save you, you will experience the immeasurable riches of his grace. You will experience the great kindness and love of God. 
You will experience his unfathomable mercy. And you will be placed in Christ. And all that belongs to Christ will belong to you because of the kindness of God. It can be yours today. The first thing we're going to look at is a change of position. He also raised us up with him. So where do the people that Paul is writing to in this letter live? Well, we're told in chapter 1, verse 1, they live in two places. They live in a city called Ephesus, and secondly, they live in Christ. My cousin has a house up the road from me in Chandler's Ford. He has a UK passport, but he lives in Dubai. He's lived in this house for years, but he doesn't actually live in it. He rents it out. He lives in Dubai. Being in Christ is as though God has given us a passport to remind us of our, that our real home is with him in heaven. So my temporary address is Chandler's Ford. My permanent home is in heaven. I have a home in heaven. He raised us up with him. With him. And our change in position should affect our perspective, how we see things and how we see this world. If this world is no longer our home, we should see things differently. We should live as Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, as strangers and aliens in this world. Jesus, we're told, rescues us from this evil present age. We're in this world, we live in this world, but we're not of this world. We have been raised up with him in Christ and our home is in heaven. We don't hold on to the things of this world any longer. We are new creations. And it's why God wants to renew our minds, renew the way we think, renew the way we see the world around us. We don't have to be bound any longer by the thinking of this world. We are no longer under Satan's dominion, under his rule. We belong to God's kingdom. We are children of God. If you have put your trust in Jesus, you are a son or a daughter of the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who rules in the heavens. And we gather as a people Sunday by Sunday to remind ourselves of who we are in Christ, of the great promises that, that there are over our lives. That's why we gather together. That's why it's so important that we gather together. To be a believer and not want to be with God's people, there's something wrong. We are an outpost of heaven. We are to encourage each other daily to keep going in a world that wants to tarnish us with godless values and waylay us. It's why church is so important. It's why belonging to a local church is so important. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul says our citizenship is in heaven. 
When he wrote it, he was writing to people who lived in Philippi. Philippi was a Roman colony in what we would now know as modern-day Greece. The Romans living there understood that it was their responsibility to ensure that Roman influence pervaded the city where they lived. Andrew Wilson, in his uh, book God's Story, says they did it with the purpose of making the strange land that they lived in more like home while they waited for the emperor to come. Do we know where our real home is? Do you know where your home is? Are we living as though that's true? Or do we love this world too much? Hebrews 11 tells us of great heroes of faith who are our great example. We read of Abraham who was happy being a traveler through this world because he was looking for a city whose architect was God. He was looking for a better city. He was looking to heaven. We read of Moses who turned away from the treasures of Egypt because he was looking for a better reward. What are we looking for? We're looking for a bonus? We're looking for a bigger house? What are we looking for? Do God's values pervade all that we do? Do his mercy, love, and grace fill our hearts and lives? Is our aim to make the place where we live, the place where we work, the community that we're among, is our aim to make it an outpost of heaven? You see, if we're in Christ, the question is, where is Jesus now? Where is he now? The New Testament tells us that he is exalted to the right hand of the mighty God. That's where Stephen saw him as he was being martyred. We read that in Acts 7. What does right hand mean? It reminds us of the phrases right hand man, the king's man, the most trusted advisor. Acts chapter 5 verse 31 says, God exalted Jesus to his right hand as ruler and savior. Jesus is seated in the place of authority next to his father. You and I are seated with him. We're seated with him. We may live in this world, but in the spirit realm, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, in a place of authority. There's nothing we can do to grasp it. As Jesus' disciples, James and John, found out when their mother asked, Jesus, may it be that my two sons sit at your right and left hand when your kingdom comes. It wasn't just for two, it was for all of us. All of us are seated at the right hand of Jesus. It's what Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2. To do what? Why are we seated with him? To speak and act on his, his behalf as though God was speaking through us. Our words need to be full of grace. Full of his immeasurable grace. What are our words like? 
critical, negative, cynical? Or are they full of the immeasurable grace of God? Do we act out of God's great kindness for us? Or are we a bit mean and selfish? Our words need, our words need to be full of grace, seasoned with salt. The promises we make matter. God says that our yes be yes and our no be no. We are to live like Jesus. We are seated with him. I don't feel that's true. It's not true of me. You don't know about me, Steve. You don't know how I'm feeling about it. You don't know what my week has been like. Paul uses the past tense. So it's true, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's true of you, irrespective of how you feel this morning. So we need to think differently. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 says, So if you have been raised with Christ, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's what he wants for us. He wants us to know that we have changed position. He wants us to know that we are sons and daughters of God seated alongside Christ. We have a change of position. The second thing we have is a different posture. We are seated with him in the heavens in Christ. Posture tells you everything. So if I'm uh, talking, you can often see, you may not hear the words, but if you see someone doing that, you have, a, you have a sense of what's going on. It's quite an aggressive posture. If someone's sitting in a meeting like this, you know they're not paying attention. I'm watching. I'm looking for people here. If you see someone who's biting the nails. You know they're anxious. If you see someone who's pacing around, waiting for a phone call, you know that they're anxious and nervous. Mark chapter 16, verse 19 tells us, so the Lord Jesus, after speaking to his disciples, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus' posture tells us that he's trusting his Father to work out his good, perfect, and pleasing will. Jesus is not anxious and fretful in heaven. He is at perfect peace. Are we seated with Christ? Are our lives full of anxiety and fear and worry? Or do we know something of what it is to be in a place of complete confidence that our Father is in control of the heavens and we are sons of our Father and He is working out His good, perfect and pleasing will? Maybe we're sitting in the wrong place, sitting with the wrong crowd. In Psalm 1 verse 1, the writer challenges us not to sit in the seat of mockers. Maybe we spend too much of our time, instead of seated with Christ in heaven, we seated in the seat of mockers. The root of mockery is pride and arrogance. I have seen too many people over the years, believers who've lost their way, mocking others pursuing the things of God. 
And you know, it's too easy to do it when we see others pursuing God with a passion and a desire that we don't know ourselves. And so we can end up mocking others. Don't sit in the seat of mockers. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Jesus is sitting next to his Father. Have we learned the secret of resting in the love of God for us? In Luke chapter 10, we read of two sisters, Mary and Martha, with Jesus. Jesus loves both of these ladies. We see Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, drinking in what he's saying, drinking in his presence, enjoying his presence. And we see Martha distracted, worried, upset, rushing around, getting increasingly fretful. Listen, Jesus wants us to work hard. But all we do needs to come out of a deep relationship and confidence in him, not about our performance and how we do things. And so Jesus gently challenges Martha. Martha, Martha, You are worried and upset about so many things. Mary has chosen what is better and not be taken away from her. Would Jesus say that about us today? You can put your name in there. Steve, Steve, you are worried and upset about so many things. We need to know that we are seated with our Father in heaven alongside Christ. We need to know we have a different posture to the world around us. Are we choosing what is better? Jesus' posture, sitting at the right hand of his Father, is a reminder it's a place of sonship. Jesus is able to sit knowing that he is always loved and forever accepted. His voice is always heard by his Father in heaven. And that's why we're told that Jesus ever lives to intercede for us. Jesus is always pleading for us before his Father. He is reminding his Father of what he did for us, that these are my brothers and sisters. Father, hear their prayers. And if we're in Christ, we are loved and accepted, and our prayers are heard by our Father in heaven. Do you believe that's true? You are loved by Almighty God. The God who created the heavens loves you because you're in Christ. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus and he says, my beloved son and my beloved daughter, you cannot be more loved than you are by God in heaven. Will he not, if he has given you his own beloved son and Jesus died for you, will he not give you all things that you need for life and godliness? doesn't mean you're going to get everything you want, but he will give you everything you need for life and godliness. Do we pray as sons and daughters of the king? Or are our prayers a bit more like wishful thinking, hit and hope? We need to know We need to know with a certainty 
that we are loved by our Father. We need to know so much so we can rest in his presence and we can trust him to work out and hear our prayers. We need to know a different posture. Finally, we need to know a new purpose. Verse 7, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I don't know if you've ever seen the Mona Lisa. Actually seen the picture in the Louvre, the painting in the Louvre. I haven't. I went with uh, two friends of mine. One is now my brother-in-law. And uh, we were interrailing. We thought we'd go to the Louvre. Uh, we were short of time, and uh, we all got rucksacks, and uh, so I stayed outside while they ran around the Louvre in 20 minutes so that they could see the Mona Lisa. They came back, and they shrugged their shoulders. It's tiny. Just ran around. For what? They weren't impressed with the lady's beauty. That isn't the point of the painting. That isn't the point of the masterpiece. It's not about the lady's beauty. It's about the master's skill. You see, our lives, God is working in our lives to display the wonders of his immeasurable grace. He wants everybody to see the grace of God in your life. He wants to demonstrate that now and through all eternity. Our lives are a masterpiece of the wonderful goodness of God. Who would have thought God would take people like us, people like you, someone like me? If you had seen me when I was 22, you would have said, Him, lead a church, you would have laughed. No. I am a testimony of the mercy and grace of God, just as you are. Peter O'Brien in his commentary says this, Throughout time and eternity, the church, this society of pardoned rebels, you're a society of pardoned rebels. Throughout time and eternity, the church, this society of pardoned rebels, is designed by God to be the masterpiece of his goodness. This morning, displayed for all to see, is the masterpiece of God's goodness this morning. And if you have never put your trust in Jesus, you can be painted into this masterpiece today. It's why we must never hide what God has done in our lives. It's such a surprise to me how slow we are to speak of God's goodness to us. When I host a prayer meeting, those of you who, who come along will know that I often say, has anyone got any good stories to tell? Things that God has done for you this week. It's like a tumbleweed moment. There's silence. Then occasionally someone will come forward. How slow we are to speak of God's goodness to us. Every week we should be queuing to tell of what God has done in his kindness and his love for us the prayers he's answered, the mercy we've experienced. 
Psalm 34, verse 1 to 3, exhorts us. I will bless the Lord at all times. Who? They will know I will. I will bless the Lord at all times. When things are good, not when things are bad. No, no, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim the Lord's goodness, the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. When we gather Sunday by Sunday, wherever we gather, in home to home, or whatever setting, let us exalt his name together. As God's people, we are to display his goodness and his holiness. We are to be the most welcoming, thankful, loving, kind, forgiving, and generous people. We should be increasingly diverse, demonstrating that we are all one new man in Christ. We should be revealing the multifaceted wisdom of God. We should be people standing out from the world around us because he's called us to be holy because he's holy. Our lives should be full of the presence of God. People should see something. I tell you, I tell you they should see something by just being around you. A couple of weeks ago, I was having my hair cut. I have this amazing hairdresser. She's amazing. She makes something of this. And as I'm, as I'm having my hair cut, we start to talk about some stuff. And at the end of it, she drops a voice and she says, Steve, would you pray for me? I was talking to someone this morning who was in South Africa a few weeks ago. They were in a, a manicure lounge. I think that's what it was. And they start to have an opportunity to talk about Jesus. And they're inside thinking, do I have the right to speak here? And the manager gives this lady permission. She gets the opportunity to share the wonders of what Jesus has done. Wherever you are, God wants to use you to display his grace and his goodness through how you live and how you speak. The early church was full of the power and presence of God. So much so, people flocked to hear them. And yet others were afraid of going near them. They were the smell of death to some, but the aroma of life to others. We are to be like that. We will be like that in this world. Not everybody's going to love us. But there are people out there who just need to catch the whiff of the grace of God. Some of you won't remember this advert, but there was an old advert, a Bisto advert. Already tell you, that, that tells me people of certain age are in the room who remember that. <laughs> And the Bisto advert was the smell of Bisto. And, and people would just small, follow the smell of Bisto. Bisto was gravy, by the way, for some of you who didn't even know what Bisto was. <laughs> we are to be like that. We are to carry the aroma of Christ. Oh, wow. There's something about you. There should be something about us because we carry the aroma of Christ. 
It's not about the cleverness of our words. It's about us knowing that we are seated with him and living out of the truth of who we are in Christ. God wants to display through us to the world around his grace. Are our lives being changed by the lordship of Jesus? Is Jesus lord of your life? Is he in charge or are you? Is it about you? Do you know it's not about where you live? It's not about your background. It's not about your identity. It's not about anything other than what he says about you. We sang it earlier. It's about what, who the I am says I am. Are we living out of our new position in Christ? Are we live, living with our eyes fixed on a better world? Are we living knowing that we are seated with Christ, resting in the finished work of Christ? Are we enjoying being sons and daughters of the King of Kings? Do we bring our requests with confidence and boldness, knowing that we come before a Father who loves us? Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, There is no more wonderful statement about the Christian believer anywhere. This is the supreme truth of all. This is the highest glory. This is the most priceless thing that is true of us as God's people. We are seated together with Christ in the heavenly places right now. I'm going to ask the band to come and join me on stage. We're going to sing a final song in a moment. But this is a moment where we're going to do just business with God, before God personally. Are you living out of your position in Christ? Are you living about, out of what the world says about you or about what God says about you? Are you confident in what Jesus says about you? What the word of God says about you? Are you living with your eyes fixed on a better world to come? Are you living as a stranger and alien in this world? This, this world is an outpost of heaven. The place we are is an outpost of heaven. One day we will be with him forever and ever and ever. And we fix our eyes on the reward. Are you enjoying being a son or daughter of the king? Are you confident in what he promises to do for you? To hear your cries? us to close our eyes right now you respond to God tell him tell him what you think about him ask him if you know you've drifted in your thinking you've been battling with all sorts of stuff come back to him the Bible says if we confess our sin he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin it's already dealt with on the cross we just need he wants us to confess put it right he wants us to lift our eyes fix our eyes on Jesus fix your eyes on Jesus just take a few moments to do that
And if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ, you can do it right now. Just say, Jesus, I put my trust in you. Heavenly Father, save me. I, I believe Jesus died for me. I want to know what it is to be a son of God. Receive me because of Christ. And I want to tell you, as you say that, he receives you and his spirit comes and fills you afresh. Holy Spirit, meet with us. May we know who we are in you, living God. Let's stand together and as we sing this song, we're singing out truth.